You know that uh, John Wesley, when he was a circuit rider, used to visit, uh, not only to go out to preach himself, but he used to visit the preachers that he had put in place in the various communities. And as he would get together with them, he would ask them a question. He'd say, brother, how is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? And I asked you that this morning. How is it with your soul? Where are you at with the Lord? Are you feeling peace? What's going on in your life right now? Would you pray with me as we prepare our hearts to hear the word? Heavenly Father, we put ourselves at your mercy. We open our hearts. We open our minds. We ask that you would forgive our sins. We pray that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit. Prepare our hearts to hear from you and prepare us to be changed, to be more like you and more like your likeness. We ask your leading in this time of study together, we pray in Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, I want to share with you, I, I was reading the other day, and I'd like to see what other churches in the area are doing. We have a network of churches that you may know about called The Meeting House, and it runs from Carlisle all the way up to Canada. And, uh, and it's a pretty good group of people. Uh, they have been doing a series called Asking for a Friend. Great title for a series. And they have asked an open-ended question of both the, the people in their church, and their people in their church tend to skew towards the younger side. And then they've also been asking a, a large sample of people out in the community who are not part of the church a particular question. And they've, it's kind of a, an open-ended fill-in-the-blanks thing. So... Let me put this up for you, and you think about how you might answer this question. Why are Christians so blank? Why are Christians so whatever? Fill in the blank for yourself. Um, I know you'll find it difficult to believe, but in their large sample of people, the people that they have uh, interviewed and asked to answer this question, or at least pose this question, You'll find it hard to believe that the top questions were not things like, why are Christians so loving? Or, why are Christians so giving? Or, why are Christians so warm and inviting? Those didn't even make the top ten for some reason. But here's the bitter pill. A large number of people shared some pretty negative answers about how they see Christians in the church. And three of them really caught my attention because they, they relate to what we're going to be talking about this morning. Uh, these are, why are Christians so concerned about being right over being loving? Now, this is an actual question somebody asked, or a number of people asked, actually. Why are Christians so judgmental? And why are Christians so mean? That was the number one answer that they received. Why are Christians so mean? You know, I'm sure the list of questions is a whole lot longer. In fact, I've read a lot more of them, which we can maybe look at at another time. But, but these are among the most common ones that they received. And I think, in fact, that they are related to one another. Being unloving, being judgmental, and the meanness that they see in us sometimes. Uh, let me ask you this, uh, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself like this? Is this how you see yourself when you think about who you are? Is it this list that pops to mind right away? Probably not, right? 
This is probably not how we see ourselves. But the younger part of our faith population and many of the people in the world around us do see us this way in some pretty negative terms. So how do we account for the difference? How do we account for the difference that's happened here? Uh, there's this dissonance that's going on. We have what we see in ourselves and what others see in us, and there seems to be a pretty wide gap. Is it, do we blame the media? Is it the media reports? Of, oh, if the CNN would just shut up over there and stop talking about this stuff, we'd be just fine. Is that who's to, to blame for this? What is it we blame? Is it fake news? Or do people actually encounter Christians who reflect all or some of these things that affect their perception of us? And if that's going on, how come we can't see it? How come we can't see those things happening in us? What's in the way of that? And more importantly, when people do see us this way, is it keeping them from seeing Jesus? Because I suspect most of you would agree with me that, that these kinds of attitudes portrayed in the world around us do keep people from coming to Christ. We're in the home stretch of our series called That Sermon. It's from the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I invite you to open your Bible this morning to Matthew chapter 7. We're particularly going to be looking at what Jesus has to say about judgment in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7 and verses 1 through 6. Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take that speck out of your eye, and when all the time... There is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Judgment or judgmentalism is pretty serious business. As Christ followers, I think we need to figure it out. I think we need to figure out how we're participating in it and correct it before we as a church, and I mean the church universal, the church of Christ, we as a church need to figure it out before it continues to do more damage and pushes more people away from Jesus. Um, there are lots of things that we are required to make a judgment about in life, right? We, are, we need to have discernment. We need to choose between certain things. We need to weigh out the truth. But, but Jesus here is talking about being judgmental, taking on an attitude of judgment, being judgmentalist. Uh, we want to look at three things today. We want to work, first of all, at uh, why we judge. You know, let's kind of think about that. Why do we judge anyway? And then what happens when we judge? And then finally, we want to look at who is the real judge, all right? Why we judge, what happens when we judge, and who is the real judge? Well, why do we judge others? In the first part of, of Matthew uh, chapter 7, Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. In the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
That got me thinking, and I was thinking about, you know, times when I know I've been judgmental, and, and I really don't have to think back very far to find incidences, even in the last few days, I think. And I shudder to think of that same measure, that same thought being used by God to judge me. That's a pretty heavy thought, isn't it? It's like the measure that I judge others is the same measure that God will judge me with. That's pretty heavy. We accuse others sometimes of the very thing that we ourselves are guilty of. And, uh, and that's pretty common. They call that projection. We can't see it in ourselves, but we can see it in everybody else. We just miss it when it comes to us. We're not very good at self-examination in this way. And that's why Jesus warns us here. You know, it's so easy to say something in judgment of somebody. I know that sometimes it comes right out of my mouth before I even catch it, before my brain is engaged. And, and then I realize after the fact how cruel that might have sounded or how unfair it is or you know, how out of line it is. It's often just after the fact. And sometimes I ask myself, why, why did you do that? You know better. Well, what is it about? What is it about judgment that, that makes me slip back to it? You know, get away from it for a while, think you've got this all, all licked, all solved, and then there you are again, and you're judging others and looking down on others. Besides the sin nature. I mean, the sin nature is the obvious choice. We'll talk about that. But I think for some of us, it grows out of our brokenness. You know, even after we come to Jesus, sometimes I think we fail to see ourselves the way God sees us. We refuse in some way, maybe not consciously, to accept the forgiveness that God has given to us through Jesus. We judge because there's some small or, or hidden part of us that feels broken. And we haven't given it to the Lord yet to heal, or maybe we've given it to the Lord, but we haven't persisted in giving it to the Lord. You know, sometimes these real deep hurts and things have to be presented to the Lord many times, persistently, until we experience full healing. And sometimes that takes time. But Jesus loves you as you are. And in time, I think God comes to us and says to us, Give me that thing that hurts. Give me that thing that hurts. Give me that thing that did so much damage to your soul. Give me that thing and let me bring my healing to bear. To restore that thing. That part that feels broken. I'll restore that part. I'll make it better than it was even. Better than before. You know, the judgmental attitude, I think some of it comes from our brokenness. Some of it comes from our own insecurity. It grows out of those things in life that hurt us, that cause us injury emotionally or spiritually. But we also judge, and we know this, because we have a sin nature that still tries to raise its ugly face, and we know that we judge because of our own sin. You know, we get uncomfortable in things. <laughs> and it's easy for us to sort of get on our high horse. You know, I read, um, you know, we have these texts that we, uh, we proof text to when we're trying to lead someone to Jesus, like, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's from Romans 3.23. And we ignore the fact that that's addressed to Christians in general. 
not, not addressed just to the pre-Christian, to the one who hasn't come to Christ yet. And we forget about that verse. We forget about who we are in Jesus. We forget about who we were before Jesus. And we forget that we can still sin, especially when we take our eyes off of Jesus. We begin to think of ourselves as, I may be a little sinless. I actually had a Christian say that to me once. I'm, I'm born again. I'm bathed in the blood of the Lamb, and I don't sin anymore. <laughs> of course, I responded in my head, brother, I think you're sitting right now. <laughs> we begin to think of ourselves as more superior. We compare ourselves to other. Well, you know, I may be sinning sometimes, but I'm not as bad as that guy over there. <laughs> He's a much bigger sinner than I am. Um, you know, at college, I remember I took a psychology course in transactional analysis, which is about the subconscious ways that we communicate with one another, and, and we were forced to read a popular self-help book at that time called, I'm Okay, You're Okay. Anybody remember that book? <laughs> but I think as Christians, we walk around sometimes, and we will look at others, and we think, I'm okay, but you're a mess. And we want to fix that person who's messier than us. And Jesus says, why do you look at that speck, that sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of the eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You know, speck of sawdust versus, you know. Here, brother, let me, let me help you. I can't quite reach. Let, let, let me help you take that little bit of sawdust out of your eye. <laughs> Jesus says, you can't do that. You need to take out the plank. You need to take out the stick. Some translations say the log. Take the log out of your own eye. It's a very silly picture, isn't it? Trying to fix somebody else when you're too blind to see your own faults, when you're too blind to see. Uh, we all have blind spots, don't we? We all have planks in our eyes at various times. Um, not specks of dust. Sometimes we believers in Jesus have great piles of lumber <laughs> in our eyes that present, prevent us from from making a proper determination, that prevent us from judging, that prevent us from helping. Why do we judge others anyway? Don't we usually do it to make ourselves feel better? Isn't that a big part of it? You know, we get a little self-righteous buzz on when it's, uh, you know, our own secure insecurities, our own sin present themselves and we we want to make somebody or think of somebody else as worse than us so we can feel better. So what happens when we judge other people? What's going on then? When we get all our self-righteous self all up in arms and we judge, we behave like we have some special right to judge. We feel like we've earned it, don't we? You know, haven't we earned it? Been walking with Jesus all these years? Haven't we earned the right to judge other people? But what's going on when we step into the role of judgment? Aren't we really starting to play God when we're doing that? 
Jesus uses the word hypocrite here. And it comes up actually two or three times in the Sermon on the Mount. It's an acting word. It means to put on a mask or it means to put on something that you're not. So Jesus is sort of suggesting, hey, <laughs> you think you're 100% righteous? Take another look. Take another look. We're acting. We're putting on a superior face. Um, there's a great English slang word which I have grown to love. The word is Pratt. Have you heard that word? If you're a Harry Potter fan, you've heard that word out of Ron Weasley's mouth. You're a Pratt. You're a, a superior Pratt. And basically, that slang word means that we are behaving in a morally superior manner. That we're, it's like dressing up to go out for the evening and putting on the Ritz, putting on something that you're not. My grandmother would have called that putting on the dog. <laughs> and we get that attitude sometimes, even smug. Sometimes we can behave smug. We don't know we're doing it, or maybe we do. When we become judgmental, aren't we really usurping the place of God? Aren't we playing God? Jesus said from the get-go that we are in danger of being judged by God on the very thing we are judging. What happens when we try to play God and judge? It affects the people around us, doesn't it? I mean, it surely does. People fail to see Jesus when we get in the way. They just see a guy playing at being Jesus. And it leaves a very negative impression. Sadly, in the world around us, we have become known for our judgmental approach to sin. We don't people, meet people where they're at, showing them the love of God. Because love is the gateway. Love is the way you lead someone into Jesus. Not, not by hitting them over the head with your Bible a thousand times. That doesn't work. And it just causes damage. You know, it's kind of like we feel like we need to give them a, a good slap in the face with the gospel sometimes. Well, that extra push, it isn't supposed to come from us, is it? We do what God calls us to do. And the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. The Holy Spirit draws the person. You can't even become a Christian without the Holy Spirit beginning to draw you. So we need to think about what is our approach to sharing Christ? When we don't deal with our own sin first, that love of God doesn't shine through quite the same way as it should. And we won't be able to really help that other person who has the speck in the eye problem. We're not able to be of full assistance. Christians, when we behave like this, when we become judgmental, when we start putting on the dog, we start behaving as if we are fully righteous, we don't help people, we drive them away. And we get a bad reputation. And we leave people hurting. You know, look at this picture on the, the, big, on the screen with the big pile of lumber. I suspect we have many planks in our own eyes that we just can't see. we got our own stack of lumber that keeps us from seeing God's perspective and really seeing the other person. Maybe like the plank of sin, where we see somebody else's sin, but we don't see our own sin. Maybe like the plank of poverty, 
where we judge people by what they don't have. We even blame them. We play the blame game, you know. Well, if they would only work, if they would only get off welfare, if they would only do this, if they would only do that. And we can't see the person. There's a plank of race where all we ever see is the color of a person's skin and we don't see the person underneath and we don't see from their perspective. We just see from our own flat perspective. And then there's the plank of politics, the real popular one right now, where we judge each other for how we voted, how we didn't vote, based on masks or no masks, vaccines or no vaccines, where we call each other names like socialist or Nazi. That's so helpful for dialogue, isn't it? Hey, you socialist, come here, I want to talk to you about Jesus. <laughs> hey, you Nazi. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? But I hear this stuff all the time. And I hear it out of the mouths of Christians far too often. You know, it's not that we're not supposed to use discernment and weigh out the truth of things. God calls us to do that, right? To examine things, to make sure we're following in the path of Christ. Um, the problem isn't that. The problem is that judgmentalism and a huge amount of it has crept into the Christian church, and especially in the last few years, and it's damaging the image of what the church is supposed to be and who it represents. It smears the name of Jesus. And it makes Christians look like absolute fools. Especially when we fight and we throw scripture at each other. <laughs> you ever seen one of those matches on Facebook or some other place? You know, somebody will make a great grand statement and then you'll get people who line up on either side of that statement and they'll throw scripture at each other. You know, well, Romans says this. Well, Corinthians says this. Blah, 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 blah. And down it goes. I've seen some of those posts run 100 posts or more as people do battle for Jesus. Not really. We need to stop. We need to stop. We need to stop for the sake of the church and for the sake of our own soul. Because it's Jesus who is the judge. He is the real judge, right? Amen? Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, who is God, the second person of the Holy Trinity. Jesus, the only sinless judge, the only one who doesn't have to go and deal with his own sin before helping with the sin of others. When we talk about judging, you know, I, I want to make sure you understand this is not talking about criminal court. This is not talking about civil court where we've appointed judges to make certain decisions for us related to the law, right? This isn't what we're talking about. We're talking about something spiritual. We're talking about Jesus, the judge of our spirit who will one day sit on the throne in heaven and he will judge the living and the dead. Sometimes we call that the great white throne judgment when we read it in Revelation, right? We're going to be looking at that after Christmas. When we judge, we only see the surface. And sometimes we only see what we want to see. But Jesus judges our hearts. And sometimes he says to us, hey, take that lumber out of your eye before you go and try to help this other guy with the speck of sawdust. 
Years ago, uh, before I came here, I worked at a place called Paxton Ministries, and I was a development officer. And, and in the development office, we had a team of three, and we used to use a lot of photographs in publications and things for the web, and sometimes we supplied things to the local TV station. And, and uh, so one day, John and Jen and myself, we were all sitting in my office. We were looking at a proof for a newsletter that we were doing, and, and they handed it to me, and they'd worked really hard on it, and I looked at it, and, and I said, the layout is really good, but the photographs all need to be replaced or fixed. Well, why? Well, they're all blurry. And Jen looks at me across the table, and she says, but they're all in perfect focus. And then John, who's sitting beside her, looks at me and says, yeah, she's right. They're perfect. There's nothing wrong with them. They're all fully focused. And then I realized I needed a new pair of glasses. <laughs> it wasn't the photos. It was me who was out of focus. I wasn't seeing the true picture of what was there. And I think it's very difficult for us to see when we're out of focus we can't see it ourselves. We can't always see that big log that's getting in the way of serving Jesus and loving other people. We need accountability with our brothers and sisters who can you know, say, hey, you know, that might be a little bit out of line. Or, hey, do you think you're really seeing the full thing there? And I'm thankful for good brothers and sisters who point that out. It's helpful. And we also need to do some healthy self-examination by way of the Holy Spirit. You know, if you ask him, he will reveal. He'll show you what needs to be changed. Those planks in our eyes. God loves you and he wants you to be free to really see and to be able to really serve. This isn't God saying, I'm judging you on this. This is God saying, hey, let's correct this. I want you to be whole and free to serve me well. Uh, Psalm 139 uh, is a favorite of a lot of people. David prays uh, a long prayer, but at the very end, he ends the prayer this way. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Powerful stuff. I think that's a good place to start. I think we need to mend the broken fences of the church, but we only do that when we mend our broken fences in our lives. When we get the plank out. So the church is seen by the world and judges Jesus more correctly. We need to start with a Holy Spirit-guided self-examination and then continue on with repentance to turn away from and reject the sin that God reveals in us. God will make all things new and all things fresh, even us, even us, when we go to him. Would you pray with me? Lord, forgive us for our arrogance and our judgmentalism. Forgive me for unjustly judging others and for trying to play God. Only you are God. Reveal in me any wicked ways. 
I repent of them. Forgive me and I will be clean and whole. Prepare my heart now as I come to your table and I come to honor your sacrifice on the cross for my sin. And we come to honor the meaning that our sins are forgiven and that we are free. Cleanse my heart. Fill me with your spirit. Guide me in your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.